Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel one by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10. What a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. Five-five rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. 610 at WSBT. I'm joined by Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. All his work available for you to read right now at blueandgold.com. And we're here to talk Notre Dame football at the start of our conversation. We'll wrap things up and talk a little bit about the Irish women's basketball team. They're back in action at Clemson tomorrow night. Well, Tyler, good to be with you as always. And I want to start with Sam Hartman, the new quarterback for the Fighting Irish after five years, a record-setting career at Wake Forest, now a part of this Fighting Irish football program for one year. You are doing a really interesting breakdown at blueandgold.com. You are going through all of Sam Hartman's games last year at Wake Forest and doing some analysis and showing what Sam Hartman can bring to this program. I'm just wondering, generally speaking, I know you're through quite a few games right now. What have you learned the most about Sam Hartman after breaking down every snap in these games? Yeah, I just watched the Army game today, and I think today's game was a perfect example of the answer to your question. And that's just that this dude is a gamer. And I get it. Drew Pine was a gamer. He was competitive. But on top of that, obviously, Sam Hartman can make all of these different types of throws, and he's just a really well-put-together, well-polished, experienced quarterback. He's been through a lot. But today's game that I watched, the fifth game of his 2022 season against Army, there was a particular sequence. I think it was his sixth drive of the game. So uh, Wake Forest is already up 21-0. to zero, And obviously, Army has not been great over the last couple seasons, did not have a great season this past year. But I, he just had a sequence where – he runs for, I think it was five or six yards, and he takes a pretty good shot. The, the play was originally ruled targeting. They went back, reviewed it. I think it could have stood as targeting if that was their original call in the field. I think they rescinded that penalty, but obviously you get the 15-yard penalty anyway for unnecessary roughness. On the very next play, he drops back to, drops back to throw, doesn't see anything down, downfield, takes off to his right again, goes upfield, and literally tries to hurdle a defensive back who probably – has 15, 20 pounds on him, is a little more lean, a little more lean, a little more athletic. Compare any defensive back to a 6'1 quarterback, and you're going to see that one guy's probably a little bit more athletic. That's going to be the DB every single time. Hartman tried to jump over this guy. Didn't work too well, landed flat on his back, but still gained 11 yards. First down, Wake Forest. Two plays later, he hits a wide receiver down the middle of the field on a post where the wide receiver completely burned the cornerback and the safety. There was one spot that Hartman needed to put it, which was out in front of the wide receiver, hit him on the money, 26-yard touchdown. Mm. So it's just the competitiveness that he brings on top of being able to make a throw like that. You saw it all there in a sequence of four or five plays. I don't think Notre Dame had anybody on the roster in 2021 or 2022 excuse me, who could do that. That's including Tyler Buckner, the guy that he's going to presumably compete against this offseason. Yes, Tyler Buckner is really athletic. But I think there is something to Sam Hartman's game that I've seen in these five games that I've watched so far where he's just a relentless competitor. And I'll, I'll give you a couple other examples sure. real quickly. Today in that Army game that I watched, 
he got up from a sack. I think Wake Forest only lost one yard, and he was yelling at the wide receivers like, hey, you got to do this or you got to do that. Give me somewhere to throw the ball. He was mad that he lost uh, just a single yard. I mean, the, the drive goes on. They probably scored a touchdown on that drive too, but he was really mad about that. And there was another play where I think he scrambled for three or four yards. This might have been against Liberty, I want to say. And he gets up looking at the line or the, the sideline and looking at his coaches and saying, hey, that wasn't the right call or we didn't execute that properly. So I think he's got a good head about him. He's fiery. He's competitor. And then obviously you see the 110 touchdowns in ACC record. And that's just passing touchdowns too. He's ran for quite a bit in his career. Uh, to me, I, so far in these five games, I've seen the total package. Tyler, I'm not overly worried about Hartman's completion percentage for his career right around 60% because – with what you are saying, he is fearless. He is not afraid to throw the football down the field. He is as good as anybody in the country in getting the football down the field. And that's okay with me. You might lose a couple of percentage points off the completion percentage. That doesn't necessarily win games, the completion percentage, because I think back to the Marshall game, they stacked the line of scrimmage, and they dared Tyler Buckner to throw it 15, 20, 25 yards down the field, and I don't think he ever completed a throw over 20 yards in that game. You can't play that way against the Irish with Sam Hartman. No, absolutely not. And, and this career, 59%, whatever it is, I mean, he was 63 last year. He'd like that to be between 65 and 70. But like you said, some of these throws, I think I tweeted out one earlier this week where I'm impressed by Sam Hartman in complete passes. There was one where, uh, what was the game? The Florida State game that I put out. And you can find all of these at blueandgold.com. Again, I've gone through five games so far. Hope to be done with the whole season by the end of next week. There was a throw that he made to the corner of the left end zone where wide receivers this day and age, they probably make this catch probably 80% of the time. This particular time, it just slipped out of the, the hands of the wideout, but it was on the money. I mean, this thing was a frozen rope from about 30 yards out. Hartman, again, had one place where he could put this ball. He put it exactly where he needed to, you know, where a receiver is working toward the sideline in the end zone, and the DB is kind of draped all over him. You've got to put the ball on the money. He did. The wideout dropped the ball, but that is a throw that goes down as an incomplete pass, and it hurts your completion percentage, but it was a brilliant throw. And I've seen some others where he tried to make these throws to the, the sidelines that Tyler Buckner got picked off against Marshall twice, and we saw some interceptions against South Carolina. Obviously, those go against your completion percentage as well. But Hartman misses those throws to the outside, and he's rarely picked off. Yes, I know he had 12 interceptions this season, but that's on 430 attempts. And So I would not get wrapped up into the completion percentage thing, the interceptions. This is just a byproduct of a guy who knows that he can make plays and makes more plays than bad mistakes. And, and this is just that those are just some of the things that go with that is you're not going to complete as many balls as say uh, someone who's in an offense where his average depth of target is, I don't know, five yards downfield. Sam Hartman's average depth of target. I saw this on Twitter and I think my colleague Patrick Engel is going to write about this. If he hasn't already, he's going to write about it later this week. Sam Hartman is near the very top in the FBS in terms of the average depth of target. So he is throwing the ball downfield, which is what Notre Dame wants. It's something that Notre Dame has been lacking. You're just going to get a few more incomplete passes that go with that. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Joining me on WSBT Radio 
as we head toward the spring, and you can add transfers like a Chris Smith along the defensive line like Notre Dame did last year. So I'm wondering as we head toward the spring when you might be able to pick someone out of the transfer portal, do you think Notre Dame should look for a veteran tight end? They have a lot of good young prospects in that room, but you got Sam Hartman, and I'm not sure if you want to go into this season with any part of your football team questioning what you have. What do you think? Yeah, it's definitely a possibility. I think if I've learned one thing about this Notre Dame coaching staff is they do bank on the guys that they have. And you mentioned Chris Smith, and obviously they've gone to the portal to get a kicker two years in a row now. And, um, you know, Thomas Harbour with the, the safety help that's coming in. But I think they, the way that they've recruited the tight end position over the years, they're bringing in another guy, Cooper Flanagan, who I don't think is going to see the field a whole lot. But, uh, you know, Kane Barong entered the transfer portal and left Notre Dame this season. I think when you're having something like that happen, you get the sense that the Kevin Bauman's of the world are going to step up, hopefully be healthy play all year. Mitchell Evans really showed me a lot in that Gator Bowl, catching a touchdown, catching a couple other passes. He could be a number one tight end. Is he going to be a Michael Mayer type? I don't think so. And you're not even going to find a Michael Mayer type in the transfer portal. That's once in a, every 10, 20, maybe even 30 years you find a guy like that. I mean, we're talking about potentially the best tight end that's ever rolled through Notre Dame. For my money, he is, and there's been a lot of really good ones. But I just think that the coaching staff has a lot of faith in Kevin Baum and Holden Stage, Eli Raritan, those guys. Plus, you're bringing in a guy like Sam Hartman, who I'm sure – Wake Forest fans, some of these tight ends that I've seen him throw the ball to in these games that I've been going back and rewatching, a couple of years ago, they probably didn't even know that they got these guys as recruits. Sam Hartman makes them better. He finds them. He, he throws the ball with precision down the seam, and you can have any tight end run a seam route. I mean, we saw Kevin Bauman in the three games that he played last season before tearing his ACL get wide open on a couple teams. If he does that, Sam Hartman is going to find him. So for me, the tight end room is all about staying healthy, because you had two guys tear their ACL last year, and I think those guys, if they do stay healthy, could be great contributors. And again, Mitchell Evans might be this team's number one tight end. I want to get your thoughts about Notre Dame picking up the Ohio State defensive end, Javante Jean-Baptiste, four sacks as a backup player for the Buckeyes this season. Looking at his height and his weight and what he might be able to bring to this team, his versatility – is there a chance, Tyler, that Notre Dame might be able to use him at either one of the defensive end spots, or do you see him more fitting in perfectly in one of the spots? No, I think he'll be moved around, and this is just the case of Notre Dame losing two really good pass rushers that play on the outside in Isaiah Foskey and Justin Adamolola. You had to go out and get a guy like Baptiste who could play a little bit all over, and I will say this. While it's a great addition, and I think he can do a lot more in an expanded role, I mean, playing at Ohio State, college football playoff team, he was just a rotational guy, and Patrick Engel, my colleague, he wrote about that uh, last week, just that he didn't have as many reps. Maybe if you increase those opportunities, he does a little bit more, but I'm still a little bit worried about this Notre Dame pass rush just because, okay, yeah, you you add a depth piece. You have to have depth. There's going to be a lot of different guys playing that position, but – you did lose the program's all-time leading sack getter in Isaiah Foskey, and Justin Adamolola was a, a guy that really spelled him at times and, and could play with him and or, or without Foskey on the field, and you lose both of those guys. I'm not sure Baptiste coming in makes up completely for that. So back to your question about picking up a transfer portal tight end, I think maybe they still try to find a, 
a defensive uh, end and maybe an edge rusher. And I think most of those, have, you know, are going to be gone with this cycle of the portal. But who knows with the transfer portal, maybe someone says after spring ball, hey, I don't like you here. I want to go find somewhere else. Notre Dame is a great place to go if you're a pass rusher because right now I think Notre Dame could use all the help that they could get there. But, again, I will circle around back to Baptiste and say, I mean, that, that's, that's filling a need. That is Notre Dame going out and get a rotational depth piece at a position that it desperately needed one. So I think you see him play in a lot of different areas. And as it stands right now with the current construct of that roster on the defensive side, I think you see him play quite a bit. He does take that expanded role going from Ohio State to Notre Dame. Tyler, the 2023 Notre Dame football schedule was released today. You had a chance to look at the slate of games. Did you find anything interesting about the schedule? Yeah, I think the, all the rage right now is where those bye weeks are. And with Notre Dame playing a week zero game against Navy, and we already knew that it was going to come home right away and play an FCS opponent for the first time in Tennessee State the very next week, you, you think, okay, maybe that's where the bye week goes. No, if you're playing back-to-back weeks. And then you're going on the road at NC State, which is a little tricky game. They, they've had a pretty good team the last handful of years. And I think that's a pretty – Tough spot to get them. And then you get Central Michigan at home uh, the week before Ohio State. But, again, I wrote about this in the article that I put out about the schedule today. Notre Dame has had a little bit of issue with group of five opponents at home in September. And you cannot get caught looking ahead to the next game on the schedule because that's none other than Ohio State. And you're trying to get a revenge against those guys, team that's made the playoffs. How many times now a good handful that first month is trickier and harder than I think. And then you don't get those bye weeks until uh, after USC in late October. And then after Clemson in or, or mid to or early to mid November, that, that's a pretty grueling first couple of months there, considering that you have to play USC Ohio state in there. You're going all the way to Ireland. So, I mean, this is a tricky schedule. It's a tough schedule. You've got enough good opponents on there to beat that that if Notre Dame goes 11 and 1 I think it's automatic bid for a playoff because that means you're beating two of uh, assuming you lose to one of these three teams Ohio State, USC, Clemson who are probably all going to be top 15 teams maybe even top 10 teams it's a tricky schedule it's a hard schedule if Notre Dame goes 11 and 1 which is probably the hope every year obviously you want to run the table but 11 and 1 sounds pretty good I think that puts them in the playoff let me quick now shift quickly, excuse me, to Notre Dame women's basketball. You cover Neil Ivy's team. They've got a game coming up at Clemson tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, the game on our sister station, Live 99.9. Do you feel like the Irish, with some new parts being added, they are trending in a really good direction right now? Yeah, I mean, this time last week, uh, we were coming off, we were talking about that game Notre Dame was coming off losing 60-50 to 50 at North Carolina. And I talked about how tough went on the road in men's and women's college basketball. Sometimes you have games like that. They come home and beat Wake Forest by, I think it was 40 points. Uh, Todd Burlidge, my colleague, is the one who covered that game because I was out of town. But, I mean, that was as resounding of a win as you could get coming off of a, a tough loss. And then they go on the road and, and beat a pretty scrappy, tough Syracuse team by 16 points. And you saw all the signs of a good team where – they were trailing late in the third quarter of that game, and then the best player on the floor, Olivia Miles, turns it on, gives Notre Dame a lead going into the fourth quarter, and then they just run away in that fourth frame. You love to see when a team faces a little bit of in-game adversity. 
on the road. You think, oh, no, here it goes again. We're going to lose on the road. But the best player steps up, has 23 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. I think they're really in a groove. Uh, this is a team that should remain in the top 10 the rest of the way, compete for a number two or number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And uh, where, where this team was in the Ivy's first season, to be where they're at right now, I think you have all, to give all the credit in the world to her for turning it around and, and just recruiting the right players, putting them in the right spots. I mean, this is a team that only has 10 scholarship players again, and that's because of a mid-year early enrollee for just the second time in program history. First it was Olivia Miles. This year it's Cassandra Prosper, and she's come in and she's contributed. She's playing, I think it's five to ten minutes per game. She's scored in maybe three of the five games that she's played in. So you're getting something out of her. She's only going to continue to get better. And then when you have Miles and, and, and Maddie Westfeld, Lauren Ebo, Sonia Citron, they're all playing that the way they're playing right now. Uh, absolutely, this is one of the top five to ten teams in the country. Tyler, let's wrap things up by allowing you to talk about what's happening at blueandgold.com right now. Yeah, definitely keep going to blueandgold.com for the Sam Hartman rewatches. I've gotten a lot of really good uh, reaction on the message board, and that's another reason to go to blueandgold.com. I think we have the best community of Notre Dame fans. We're talking about thousands of Notre Dame fans who are logging into our website every single day, even in the middle of January when we're eight months away from Notre Dame football. Everyone's on there talking about Sam Hartman, Marcus Freeman, everything else about fighting Irish football. Only costs you $30, $29.99, actually. I'll save you a penny <laughs> to get on there right now through the, the start of the 2023 football season, which is obviously August 26th against Navy in Ireland. So there's so many things. Uh, I, I think there might be a little bit of men's basketball news that you might want to monitor over the next couple of Weeks, maybe months, uh, Patrick Engel does a really good job covering the men for us. Uh, after the way they've played the last couple of weeks, really all season, uh, there might be some, uh, some shifts, so you probably want to get there for that as well. Tyler, good to be with you as always. Thank you so much for the visit. Have a great rest of the week, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday. All right. Thank you, Darren. You bet. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. It's 629 Coming up next, we'll be joined by Notre Dame hockey player Jackson Pearson. He's a Zinesville, Indiana native. Some hockey talk next on WSBT.